Amen. Well, if you ever need a word of encouragement, let me see Brother Tim Fleur. He'll give you one. He just passed by and he said, don't drop the ball. Amen. So, I tell you what, appreciate, appreciate good friends, don't you? Amen. You got to go a long way to find a friend like that, I'm telling you. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding, but uh, thank you, preacher, for letting me come. And I appreciate you. Not worthy of anything that anybody says about me. I know that because I know where I ought to be at. But I'm thankful for friends in the ministry. Thankful for men of God that are just still standing and being faithful. And all you dear preachers and, and uh, missionaries and evangelists. Uh, how much we need you in these days. Amen. I thank God for each one of you. And uh, I had Brother Chris. We hadn't known each other uh, too much. But uh, I love this dear brother. Amen. And uh, I tell you, it's a blessing. I thank God for him as well. And uh, uh, let me say this. We'll preach from Matthew chapter 9 while you're turning. It's good to have my son-in-law with me. He was my assistant for seven years. And uh, he's uh, just started deputation with Rock of Ages and is uh, uh, starting uh, to go out. We're going to be working there in the print shop. And uh, so would you pray for him? And uh, if you're a pastor, uh, he's got a prayer card. If you'd pick one up. I'm going to ask you to pick one up because my grandchildren's on there. And uh, I pray that you'll take them on and feed them, all right? And so I'm asking you to do that. And uh, if you would, so if you'd get one, and uh, I appreciate you and appreciate you praying for them. But uh, I told the church when he stepped out, I said, well, a good assistant's hard to find. I mean, I'm telling you, we've had, uh, we've had the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm just going to be honest with you. And uh, he let the greatest thing he gave me as an assistant was the peace of mind when I was gone that everything was being taken care of. Amen. And so I appreciate his labor and faithfulness and I know God's going to bless him. But you do pray for him this morning and pray for them as they begin uh, to raise their support. I ask you to stay in Matthew chapter number 9. And this message was on my heart when I woke up this morning and so it's just stayed there and so I feel like it'd be what the Lord uh, would have us to preach. Matthew chapter number 9. And verse number 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray now that you bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you would help us this morning. I don't want to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, I pray that you would be glorified and your son would be magnified and the church would be edified this morning. Lord, I ask that you be pleased with our worship and I pray that you'd save that soul that is nearest hell this morning and do an eternal work in all of our hearts. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church and Lord, I pray that we would see no man save Jesus only this morning, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice Jesus in this passage of Scripture here. Uh, we see him doing several things, and we'll mention some of them, and then one of them uh, we'll preach from this morning. First of all, I want you to notice in verse number 35 that uh, we see Jesus seeking here. The Bible says that Jesus went about all the cities 
and the villages. So uh, Christ is seeking out men. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10 that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save uh, that which is lost. And so we know that when Christ came, he didn't come to heal. He didn't come to, uh, to do all these miracles. They were, uh, if you would say, just for a lack of better term, they were a byproduct of, of his ministry. But, but the purpose of his ministry uh, was to seek out and to save sinners. Amen. And in this text here this morning, I want you to notice that Jesus is not just seeking, but uh, notice he is leading the way. The Bible said that Jesus uh, went about all the cities and the villages. Now, he's about to ask his disciples to do this. This is the uh, third time that he has made a circuit through Galilee. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, he went through the first time. And then in Matthew chapter 8, he goes through the second time, first time with some of his disciples, the second time with all of his disciples. And now he's making this third circuit through, and he's getting ready to send his disciples out. But what's interesting is, is that he is leading the way. He is not going to ask them to do something in verse number 37 that he's not willing and hadn't already done himself. Amen. Now that's good leadership uh, because leadership always leads the way. And so Jesus is leading the way as he's seeking. And then I notice he is leaving no one out. The Bible says here that he went about all the cities and the villages. Amen. I like the word all in the Bible, don't you? And I like the word whosoever in the Bible. Amen. And so Jesus goes about all the cities. That, that would be the large places. Amen. And then he goes about all the villages. That, that would be the little places. Amen. And so it tells us that there's no place uh, that's too big and there's no place that's too small that what Jesus would not go uh, to seek some sinner and to rescue them with the gospel. Amen. And so Jesus is seeking. And then I notice here that Jesus is serving. The Bible says in verse number 35 that he is teaching in their synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So Jesus has a threefold ministry here. He has a teaching ministry. He has a, he a preaching ministry and then he has a healing ministry. So he is serving as he is going about. And I would say this morning that God certainly called us to, to serve and not to sit. Amen. There's something that everyone can be doing for Jesus Christ. And so in this text this morning, I notice that he is teaching. That has to do with their mind, their intellect. He is preaching. Preaching has to do with the soul. It has to do with the will of man. And then he is healing. That has to do with the body. And so Christ is meeting every need in man's life. Amen. He is educating them through their mind. And then he is preaching to their soul and challenging their will. And then the Bible said that he's healing every sickness and every disease. Now, I know we don't have the power to heal, but I'm glad he does. Amen. And there's not a sickness and there's not a disease known to man that what Christ cannot heal. Amen. And so Jesus is seeking and then Jesus is serving. But look at verse number 36 here. I notice that Jesus is seeing. Amen. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes. Now, Jesus saw the multitudes. And I want to say this morning that you and I need to see the multitudes. 
I read that little phrase and I thought to myself, now we know it's Christ. He sees everything. Amen. Uh, but in the context of the scripture, I thought to myself, uh, uh, when did Jesus see the multitude? The answer's in verse number 35, when he went about all the cities and the villages. Amen. You see, you can't see the multitudes from your recliner. Amen. Uh, you can't see the, the multitudes from your office, uh, your church office. Uh, you can't see the multitudes uh, out in the middle of the woods somewhere uh, or on a golf course. Amen. Uh, I, listen, I'm not against, I am against golf. I don't know why anybody would want to play golf. Amen. I've never been that depressed. Uh, and it's a sissy sport as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm telling you, every good sport requires a helmet. Somebody say amen. Uh, and I can't imagine... Uh, getting out there with, you know, a bunch of those little culottes them uh, uh, men wears, you know, and them sissy socks. Uh, uh, but if you like golf, go ahead and help yourself. I'm not preaching against it. I just don't understand it. Amen. Uh, uh, that's just the fact. Uh, uh, but I'm telling you, Jesus, uh, you, uh, here, let me get back on the sermon, all right? Uh, uh, but what I'm saying is uh, uh, you can't see the multitude uh, if you don't go where they're at. Amen. Some people say, well, I don't have a burden. Well, you're never going to have a burden if you don't get out there. Amen. Can I tell you every time Saturday morning rolls around, uh, listen, if it's sunny outside, I don't want to go on visitation. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than I am, uh, but when Saturday morning rolls around and the sun's shining outside, I don't want to go on visitation. I want to go to the lake, somebody say, man. I mean, that's just how it is. And then when it's a little bit dreary outside, I don't want to go on visitation because, you know, it's dreary outside, Brother Fleur. I'd just like to stay in. You know, I'm just telling you how the flesh is. And so you say, well, do you go? Well, I have to go. I'm the pastor, amen? And so I go ahead and go anyway. I don't have the luxury that all those backslid Baptists do at staying home and making an excuse say we're doing something else. I mean, I've got to show up. And so I go. But something happens every Saturday morning that we go on visitation. It's this. I I always start out not wanting to go but when I get out there and you start knocking doors and you start passing out tracks isn't it amazing how you don't want to quit amen you know what that is you're never going to see the multitude if you don't go when he saw the multitude I thought about where he saw the multitude he saw them in the cities he saw them in the villages he even saw them in the synagogues why did he see the multitude because he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing, he was serving. I see Jesus is serving. I see Jesus is, is seeking. Jesus is seeing. And then I notice Jesus is stirred. Look what the Bible says here. He was moved with compassion on them. Jesus is stirred with something that most Baptists need to be stirred with. We need to be stirred with compassion. We need more brokenness. Amen. We need our tears back. I, I tell you, I love it to, uh, to go to church and shout. And I tell you, in our church, if we go three services and somebody don't shout, I think we're backslid. Amen. I start checking the pulse and the temperature of the church. Uh, uh, something's not right uh, around there. Uh, but I want to tell you something. I'm afraid in this hour we've learned how to shout and we've forgotten how to weep. Amen. Uh, uh, brother, tears are every bit as much as important. Uh, God doesn't bottle up our shouts. Amen. But it sure does bottle up our tears. Amen. And Spurgeon called them liquid prayers and we need to have a burden and we need to have tears and Jesus is stirred within by what he sees without amen and we need a stirring on the inside something that moves our heart towards sinners amen Jesus is stirred with compassion 
the reason he is stirred uh, with compassion in this text uh, is because when he looks at this uh, multitude here, he sees them as weak. The Bible said because. Why is he moved with compassion? Because uh, they fainted. He sees them. They're weak. And then he sees them uh, in this text. Uh, they are wandering. They're scattered abroad. Uh, and then they're without a shepherd. Uh, they're sheep having no shepherd. Uh, I'm telling you, what Jesus saw on the outside moved him on the inside. And Jesus is stirred in verse number 36. But when we get to verse 37, our text, Jesus is speaking. He has something in verse 37 that he wants to say. It's been building since verse 35. He goes out seeking. He is serving. He sees the multitude. He's stirred on the inside. And now he wants to say something to his disciples. And I want to say to this morning that the very same thing that Jesus wanted to say to them then is the very same thing he wants to say to us now. It has not changed. And the reason it's not changed is because it really is the burden of Jesus Christ. I want to preach a few minutes on that subject, on the burden of Jesus Christ. Because this morning, what I need to do and what you need to do is we need to make sure that our burden is his burden. You've heard it said before, there are burdens to, to share. The Bible said, bear you one another's burdens. There's burdens to shoulder. The Bible said every man must bear his own burdens. And then there's burdens to shed. Psalms 55 said, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And I li we live in a time when we see a lot of people in our churches, they're burdened down with the cares of life. But I'm afraid not too many have his burden. Amen. And this morning, I need to make sure that my burden for ministry and my burden for whatever I'm doing is not necessarily my burden, but it's his burden. You see, there's something. Uh, listen, if their ministry was taken away, I'm talking about the ministry that they're involved in, uh, they would feel like they have nothing to live for. And we need to make sure uh, that it's not about the ministry. It's not about the church that we pastor. It's not about necessarily the field itself that we're called to. It's not necessarily about our ministry. But we need to make sure that we're moved by what moves him, that we have the burden that he has. Uh, you see, it really doesn't matter where God calls you to. It really doesn't matter where God puts you at. I'm telling you, our burden ought to all be the same. Uh, and that burden ought to be to see sinners come to the foot of the cross uh, and to see them born in the family of God. I want you to notice three things about the burden of Jesus Christ and then we'll be through. I want you to see that it involves some things. Number one, it involves a specific place. He said in verse 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now the harvest is mentioned three times in this place and, or in this text here. And so Jesus is emphasizing a specific place. This is his burden. His burden involves a specific place. And, and that place he wants the disciples not to know uh, that that place is a field. Uh, Christ said the field is the world. Amen. And he's telling these disciples that the harvest, the field, it's ready to be harvested. Amen. You find that word harvest mentioned three times. Uh, the 
first time it's talking about the lost. As he said, the harvest truly is plenteous. And the second time it's talking about the Lord. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest. And the last time he's talking about the labors that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Amen. And so it involves a specific place. You know, I thought about when I got saved, and I'm sure you could think about when you got saved. You don't know the, the place that I got saved at. And I don't know the place that you got saved. Uh, listen, but it's specific to me, and it is specific to you. Uh, uh, listen, I couldn't tell where you got saved at. Uh, listen, I don't know where you got born again. You don't know exactly where I got born again. But in the mind and the heart of God, every place that a sinner comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and is born again, it is a specific place. Amen. And we must be about our Father's business. We must be out in the field. We must be working and gathering in the sheaves uh, and bringing in the harvest uh, for there is no place too little. There is no place too small. There is no place too big. Uh, uh, the world is the harvest. Amen. See what this text teaches us is that Christ is willing to go to all places to all people regardless all problems he's willing to reach them. There's not a sinner too far. There's not a place too unknown that what God's presence hasn't already been there. You see where that's important is? Is we're all called to different places, but those places are specific places in the mind of God. If God puts you there, then there are souls, uh, there are sinners around you, and you've got to go after them. You say, but I've knocked on their doors many times, uh, and they just don't come. you still got to keep going. Amen. I'm telling you, growing up, uh, uh, listen, my dad, anywhere he saw a spot of ground, uh, we would plant a garden. He would go ask somebody, uh, listen, could we uh, till that, and could we plant that ground? And so we had about seven or eight gardens, and I'm not talking about... Uh, little gardens. I'm not even talking about the size of this building. I'm talking about big gardens. Uh, we'd put out about 200 tomato plants a year in this place and over here in this place uh, and we planted gardens everywhere and we harvested those gardens. Now I'm going to tell you something about that ground. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, there were certain pieces of ground. It didn't bring a whole lot and I can remember as a boy growing up I'd say to my dad I'd say why in the world are we out here? To this ground's terrible. It's rocky. Uh, it doesn't have any a whole lot of rich soil to it and it's not going to harvest a whole lot but you know what we plowed it anyway but my dad's mindset was this well it may not bring as much as that over there is going to bring but we're going to go ahead and plow it and plant anyway because we're going to get something out of it amen I'm telling you listen your ground may not be as rich as somebody else's ground but if you'll just keep plowing and if you'll just keep planting amen if just one soul was to walk down the aisle and get poured in the family of God, then your life was worth living. Amen. For just rescue one soul. And it involves a specific place. And then this harvest, it involves a serious problem. Because Jesus said in verse 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You see, the harvest is real. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. But there's a problem. And the problem is not with the field. It's not with our father. The problem, my friend, is not uh, uh, with the things uh, of the word, the, the, the word of God. The seed is still good. The problem, my friend, is the labors. We need labors. Brother, we need some young men that will surrender 
to go to the mission field. We need some young ladies that will surrender to be a preacher's wife. We need somebody, you say, well, I, I'm not a preacher. Well, we need somebody that will surrender on an altar and say, I'll give more to missions. Amen. We need somebody that will surrender and say, I'll start showing up for Saturday morning visitation. It's all important. I don't care where you're at. It's not always about going halfway around the world uh, and presenting the gospel. Sometimes uh, it's about surrendering and going across the street and just passing out a track and winning your neighbor. It doesn't matter where it's at. It doesn't matter who you are. We we just need workers. We just need laborers. We need somebody that'll get in the trenches and go after souls and bring them to the house of God and so that people can be saved. Amen. When our churches had revival, people had a burden. And I'm not against what I'm about to say. Don't misunderstand me. But it wasn't Wednesday night Bible study. It was Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I'm not against Wednesday night Bible study. And I'm telling you, it used to prayer requests wasn't just a bunch of sick folk. And if I was sick, I'd want somebody to call my name out in prayer and ask the church to pray for me. But I'll tell you, it's an indictment against the church when you have prayer requests on Wednesday night and 95 to 98% of them is nothing more than just praying for the physical need and nobody's concerned about the spiritual need. Now, I'm not saying we don't have to mention that. We ought to. I'll tell you, I remember a day when people used to stand up with tears dripping off their chin because they had a burden for their co-worker. Amen. They had a burden for their sister. They had a burden for somebody and their family that was going to hell and Wednesday night people got around the altar and it wasn't a matter of formality I'm telling you they shed tears on the altar and they didn't get up till they was done uh, you know why because people had a concern uh, and they'd go out there and they wouldn't give up until they brought somebody to the house of God and the preacher got up and preached the gospel I'm telling you the reason people got saved it's just simple they was there to hear the gospel and to be saved amen I'm telling you, listen, the gospel, uh, my friend, the message is to go. Uh, the great commission is go, and we must still go. Amen. Yeah. Got to go after them. You know why Calvinism has surged so much in the last decade? I'm going to tell you one reason why. Because people are lazy. Oh, listen, it's easy to believe Calvinism. You know, you don't, have, you don't get Calvinism from reading the Bible. You get it from reading other Calvinists. Amen. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you the reason people believe that is because it doesn't require anything out of our life. Amen. And the, the Great Commission is not go and see results. It's just go. Amen. You just got to go. Amen. You say, well, what if I don't see anybody come? It doesn't make no difference. That's up to God. You just go and sow. Amen. And you let God give the increase. Uh, but I've never seen anybody that went that what God didn't honor it and God didn't bring somebody in. We knocked 18 years in the same subdivision. And not one person came. And then one day somebody from our church knocked on the door and nobody came. And so they hung the door hanger there. Had the invitation on one side, the gospel on the other. A lady took that. She carried it up to her bedroom. Her and her husband was living there with her mom and dad. A whole family was druggies and dope heads. And she took that gospel invitation and she looked at it and she laid it on her bed and then she moved it somewhere else and she said for two weeks every time she would go through something or go in there and move something around there that thing was 
And after about two weeks, she'd said it somewhere else, and it just kept popping up. And so finally, uh, she decided, I'm just going to go down there on a Sunday night. Her and her husband came there on a Sunday night and sit on the back row. And uh, she was under such conviction that Sunday night uh, that she left the church house. And then she came back, and she uh, met me in the foyer, and she said, I'm lost. And she said, I know that I'm not saved. But she said, Preacher, I'm not getting saved tonight. She said, because I got a bag of dope at the house, and I know I'm going to go home and do this that and so we talked to her just a little bit I left on Monday went out of town on Wednesday night my wife called and said you should have been here tonight I said what happened she said well uh, she said this lady and this young man came back and said we was taking prayer requests uh, and people was uh, uh, raising their hand and giving prayer requests and said she was kind of looking around you know uh, and so she raised her hand and she said well uh, she said I just want to tell everybody I felt so bad Sunday night when I talked to the preacher I even felt worse uh, and Monday I felt even worse uh, and by Tuesday I couldn't take it anymore and so I just got down beside my bed and I just asked God to forgive me and I asked the Lord to save me amen and her husband was sitting next to her he had a big old black eye all tattooed up uh, and she said pray for Derek uh, she said now he's not been saved yet and y'all pray for him well I tell you the brother that was preaching that night uh, he is about 60 something years old and when he heard that you know what he did he just changed his message uh, he preached the gospel amen that night uh, and to make a long story short uh, uh, the whole family quit doing drugs uh, and got off dope and they all got saved hallelujah oh George when he got saved the choir was up singing one Sunday morning he come in the back he's toting a big old family bible and I saw him coming in I didn't know who he was he started down the aisle he got to about the third row and he just pitched that Bible in the pew and just come on down and got an altar. And I got down there with him. He said, he said, uh, brother, he said, I'm, uh, he said, I'm, uh, or preacher, he said, I'm George. I'm Tammy's husband. Just as dry as it could be. I said, what'd you come for? He said, I need to be saved. I started to open my Bible. He said, don't. He said, they've all been telling me about it. He said, I already know how to be saved. He said, nobody else is smoking pot anymore in the house. And he said, they've all told me. And I said, well, I said, well, you want to ask the Lord to save you? He said, he, did. he said, I do. And so he bowed his head, and this is what he said. He said, Lord, just as dry as he could, he said, Lord, save me. Well, y'all are more spiritual than I am because I thought he needed to pray more than that. I did. I said, you done? He said, he saved me. I said, are you, I said, are you real sure he saved you? He said, well, I asked him. <laughs> that's what Peter said, Lord, save me. I said, well, if you're sure, he's sure, that's all that matters. So uh, we stood up. Uh, oh, George gambled every Friday night with a bunch of Greeks, amen. And you know what? He didn't tell one of them, Brother Fleur, on Friday night when it come gambling time, uh, all them Greeks showed up around the table. And guess what? Instead of pulling out a deck of cards, you know what he did? He laid that big family Bible there on the table. And he said, fellas, we're not going to uh, gamble tonight. We're going to have Bible study, amen. Uh, I'm talking about one week old. Uh, but I'm talking about 18 years knocking in the same subdivision and not one person coming uh, but they're going to come if you'll keep going amen uh, I'm talking about the labors are few uh, there's a serious problem uh, we got to get busy uh, we got to be involved uh, we got to go after somebody amen doesn't matter who you're going after go after somebody I want to say tonight or this morning there's a serious problem with the burden of Jesus Christ 
It's his burden. Well, you think every Christian would have his burden. Serious problem, specific place. Then notice this, and I'll be done. Verse 38, a single prayer. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. You know, it's an interesting verse because it's the only prayer request Jesus ever had. You think about all the prayers that Jesus prayed. I, I think that uh, uh, recorded in the, the scriptures, if I remember, there's like 19 different prayers of our Savior that's recorded. But we know he prayed more than 19 prayers. Mark 135 said, rising up a great while before day, he went out into a solitary place and there he prayed. Jesus spent his whole life in prayer. In the wilderness, on the Mount of Transfiguration, in the Garden of Gethsemane, even on the cross, three of those seven sayings were prayers. The first, the fourth, the last saying were all prayers that Jesus prayed. Jesus lived his life by prayer. Even now at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. If you want to know what ministry he has right now, he has a praying ministry. And so Jesus lived his life here on earth in prayer. He lives life in eternity in prayer. And Jesus, every prayer request he ever, every prayer that he ever prayed was answered. What's interesting about verse 38 is that he only left us one prayer request. Christ said, this is my burden. I want you to help me pray. Can you imagine Jesus wanting us to help him pray about something? He said, this is the only thing I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into the harvest. Have you prayed that today? Have you asked for more labors? Have you asked God to send people? Have you asked the Lord to, to send labors to your church? Have you asked God to help you to win souls and to turn them into labors? Pray you therefore the Lord. And I thought about this. I thought, you know, in my lifetime, I cannot remember all the prayer requests that I've had. In fact, there are things that I've asked Jesus for that I've forgotten about. And later on, he would answer that prayer. And I would be ashamed because I prayed and forgot all about it, but yet he didn't forget about it. There's times he's answered prayers when, really, I, let's be honest, I didn't pray about it like I should, but he answered it anyway. What makes this verse so great is this, is that after all the prayers that Christ has answered for me and you, you and I could be an answer to his prayer request. You could be a laborer. I believe this tonight or this morning. I believe that every time you go out on visitation, you answer his prayer. Every time you pass out a gospel tract. Every time somebody walks the aisle and surrenders to be a missionary, a preacher, a preacher's wife, a pastor, you answer that prayer request. Every time that we, every time we shun our responsibilities, and let's be honest, there's times I've let things slip through my fingertips. I think about, Dr. James Crumpton and his wife. You know, Dr. Crumpton, every time he would go into a restaurant, it didn't matter if it was a McDonald's or where, him and his wife, before they stepped up to order a meal, they would walk around and they would give every individual a track and just say, God bless you. They'd go ahead and beat them to the draw. Thank you for taking this. They'd use that little simple compassionate tact and they, after they had given the gospel to everybody, then they would walk up and order their meal. 
I'm not telling you I've done that tonight or this, this morning. I'm telling you that's a good example. And there is a serious problem. There's a single prayer. I tell you, if there's the burden of Jesus Christ has never changed one time. And so this morning, as we think about it, the real question in my heart, is my burden his burden? It's easy to get a burden for a place. You know, I've not been called to Uganda. I've never been to Uganda. You've been there, haven't you? But I would say if I got on a plane and went to Uganda and I saw what you saw, I think I'd have a burden because my eye affects my heart. But I'm sure if I came back to the U.S. and after a few weeks, maybe it would take, I don't know how long it would take, once I adapted back to the American lifestyle and the comfort and the prosperity and the things, I'm sure my burden would, would dwindle. Now, you need a burden more than a place. A lot of times, I, and I'm not, this ain't shaming, you missionaries know this, but a young missionary starting out, he has such a zeal, such a burden for the place. But a lot of times, Todd preached a great message at our church about staying by the stuff. Sometimes they'll come in and rake that congregation over the, over the coals because they don't have the burden he has. I don't think they mean to do that, but they have such a zeal. They want everybody to have the burden for the place. I'm not talking about a place. I'm just talking about having his burden. See, his burden will go across the street. His burden will go down the road. His burden will get in the car with you and go back to Georgia. His burden's everywhere you go. Jesus never went. He went about all the cities and the villages. There wasn't no place he went that he didn't have a burden. You know why? Because there was people there that needed to be saved. We got to go beyond the place. Say, cry, I want the burden of Jesus Christ as we stand tonight or this morning. I want to ask you, I, I, I don't want you to come to the altar unless you really feel led. It's not going to offend me one bit. You just have to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. But 